you. If you have your Bibles now, open them to Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs chapter 17. Tonight again, we go back to our study in Proverbs. We go back to God in his word, contrasting the righteous person and the foolish person, the person that lives by and implements God's wisdom and the person that shuts their ears to his wisdom. Now, this week I was thinking about our study and I thought, you know, in our verses, God is actually showing us the best way to live. Now, if you look at it, that's what he's actually showing us. He, in his word, is leading us in paths of righteousness. These are the things that please him. God is showing us in his word how to avoid trouble and how to avoid the pitfalls of life. Now, those are things we need to know. That is wisdom we need to possess. But more than that, God in our study is showing us his character. Now, think about that. That's what we're seeing as he is leading us and guiding us and instructing us, we are seeing his character. He is just. He is fair. He is kind. He is perfect in wisdom. And so we're actually seeing his character through our study. Now, more than that, if we will put it into practice, then we will be taking on, think about that, the character of God. As we put it into practice, we are looking more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, as New Testament Christians, that is our goal. That is our mindset. And so as we actually live it out, put it into practice, we are looking more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, tonight we go back to our study. Beginning tonight, chapter 17, picking up again in verse 20. All right, verse 20 says this. He who has a crooked mind finds no good, and he who is perverted in his language falls into evil. He who has a crooked mind finds no good, and he who is perverted in his language falls into evil. Verse 20 tells us a person that is crooked in mind. Now, that is a person that devises evil, that seeks evil, evil that really stirs and exists in sin. It says that person finds no good. It goes on and it says, and he who is perverted in his language. Now, it's really the same idea, uh, not straight, crooked. Uh, this person, they speak lies. They use their mouth to stir up dissension. They gossip with their mouth. It says that person that has a, a perverted speech, a crooked speech, it says they fall into evil. Now, what that means is this. This person living in sin, given to sin, will live a troubled life. Now, hear that again. This person living in sin, stirring and maneuvering in sin, they will lead a troubled life. Now, think about that. Our world tells us the opposite. Our world says that it'll go unnoticed. Our world tells us that those are usually the folks that prosper. And you look around and say, well, it looks like they're doing pretty good. 
Our world will say, well, that's the only way to get ahead. You got to do what you got to do. It's the only way to get ahead. And when we look from the outside, it sure seems so. Well, the truth is, sin always results in trouble. It always brings chaos. It always brings destruction. It always stirs up strife. The truth is, whether the world will admit it or not, how you live matters, and those living in sin will lead lives marked by hardship. Now, I want you to hear that again. That's important for you to know. Those that are living in sin will lead lives that are marked by hardship. Remember, maybe you can remember back, Remember back, some of you are young and you're thinking like this now, and you're young and you're idealistic and you think the goal to life is to do all of these grand things. When I I was about this age, we, we got MTV for the very first time and I thought, man, if you could do those things, if you could go to Panama, if you could fly in helicopters, ride in boats, if you could do these things, listen to all this music, it'd be a great life. Maybe you'll be famous You'll have lots of money. That's the life that we want to lead. Now, after some years, and maybe a lot of years, if you notice the goal shifts, and all of a sudden the goal becomes just a simple life would be good. You know what would be good? No stress. No stress would be good. You know what? If I could just be left alone, that'd be a pretty good life. That's what I thought, man, it was going to be all these things. But you know what? If it could just be a simple little old life and I could be left alone, it'd be a pretty good life. I remember thinking (laughs) that it would be cool to ride in a limousine. It'd be so cool to ride around a limousine, have a driver. And I was thinking the other day, just this past week, it's strange how life has turned out. On funeral days, I ride in a limousine. Now, there's a casket in the back, but it's still a limousine. If you lead a life marked by sin, you will have trouble. That's what God says. He who has a crooked mind finds no good, and he who is perverted in his language falls into evil. Verse 21, he who sires a fool does so to his sorrow, and the father of a fool has no joy. Verse 21 tells us what we know. We've we've learned this in experience. A bad kid, a troubled kid brings heartbreak. And we see it all the time. I see it all the time. I'm sure you do as well. A child, a kid, doesn't matter their age, young or old, living out of the will of God, living in the trouble of verse 20, not only troubles themselves, but they hurt their parents. And that's, that's what the Bible says. Years ago, I met a man, and he had a son that was, that was troubled, that was in a lot of trouble. And, and, and he didn't expect it. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't see this coming, but their life had become court dates and rehab and jail and even, even a stint in prison and get back out of prison and then go back to more court dates and probation and and all of these things. And he spent money on lawyers and and rehab and all this stuff. And it was just trouble after trouble 
after trouble. They're, they're up at the courthouse. They're, they're over here. It's trouble after trouble. And they tried, the parents, they tried and they tried, and it was just trouble. And the, the young man I remember watching over the course of, of a decade or so, they would fix him up and they would do all these things and it would be, it'd be good for a little while and for some crazy reason, he'd go right back to it. And this dad, I was talking to him one time, was actually at a funeral and he says, you live your life waiting on the phone to ring. Maybe it's the police that are calling. Maybe he is hurt somewhere. Can you imagine that every night? Maybe he's, he's hurt somewhere. Maybe he has hurt somebody else. Maybe he's stolen something. And I was talking to this dad, and he was, he was broken, and he was sad, and he said this. It would be easier if he were dead. He wasn't wishing him dead, but he was broken. And he was, he was saying living like that was torture. Every day was torture. I want you to notice here, there's an interesting word that says sires. He who sires a fool does so to his sorrow. Now, the word for sires here means produces. Uh, it is like a famous bloodline uh, produces a prodigy. It is the production. And so I, 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 want, I want you to see this. Sometimes people raise bad kids, and sometimes the parents are the problem. I, I can tell you instances like that. For, for whatever reason, the, the parents were the problem. But sometimes people just sire Bad kids. They just have troubled kids. And I, I've watched kids come out of the same household and they raise those kids the same and they've got this one that seems to do everything pretty well and, and tries to honor Christ and this one that turns and goes a different direction. There are sometimes that the parents raise bad kids, but I think this verse tells us sometimes folks just have troubled kids. The desire of their heart is rebellious. I think verse 21 shows us this, and I'll stand on this. One of the greatest hardships of life is trouble in your home. And I'll tell you that. I believe that. One of the greatest hardships in life is, is trouble with your kids or your grandkids or somehow in your home. He who sires a fool does so to his sorrow, and the father of a fool has no joy. Verse 22 a joyful heart is good medicine. I like this. But a broken spirit dries up the bones. This is what God says. A joyful heart is good medicine. But a broken spirit dries up the bones. Verse 22, God tells us a happy heart, a happy disposition results in healing. Actually results in a longer life. Happiness, this is what God says, it cures what ails you. Happiness does that. But a broken spirit dries up the bones. Now, I want you to see the picture here, the language. Bones that are drying up are what? They're dead. They have died and they are, they are shriveling and drying up. Bones that are drying up are dead. A broken spirit dries up the bones. Now, I want, let me read that again. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. What's the difference? K 
Can you just be happy? Can you just be happy? Can you tell someone? I remember my granny, she used to say, you better get happy. You got about one minute to get happy. Can you tell someone, you know what? Happiness is a good thing. You need to get happy. Can you do that? Here's what I'll tell you what I believe. The difference is what our eyes are on. The difference is not the circumstance that we're in, but the difference is what our hope is grounded in. That's the difference in a person that is a happy person and a person that is a broken person. I believe it's not the circumstance, but it's where we have fixed our eyes and where we have based our hope. And and here's the deal. If our eyes are on Jesus, and if our hope is set in Jesus, we can be happy. Now, there's going to be hard days. There's going to be hurtful days. But if your eyes are on Jesus and the finished work of Jesus and the truth of Jesus, if your hope is set in Jesus, we can be happy. David says in Psalm 51, he prays, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Sometimes we need to pray that. Restore to me the fact, the truth, the reality that I am saved by faith in Jesus Christ. I remember my dad, when he was very, very sick, and it was kind of up and down, and it went that way in a pattern, and, and he was going through a time, it was a tough, tough time. He was very, very sick. Uh, he, he had gone back into chemo, and he was taking chemo. He had lost from 235 pounds down to 167 pounds uh, in just probably six months taking his chemo. His hair was gone, and the part he hated is even his eyebrows this time were gone. He, he, he was bald. He had sores on his skin, on his arms, and then this, this, this certain stuff, he had sores in his mouth, and he felt terrible. And I, this day, he felt terrible when I got him out. He felt terrible when he went down there for his, his treatment. He felt terrible when he came out. And I remember he came out, and he, he was all beat up. He was tired. He comes out, and he trips on the curb, and he stumbles, and he falls, and he breaks his tooth out and hits his pacemaker on the curb and messes that deal up. And he, he's down there, and he's having trouble breathing. We have to get him up. We have to go from there. We were going home. We had to go to the ER, and they had to do this and check that and do all this stuff and, and stitch him up in a couple places and I remember we are finally riding home. Three or four hours later, he didn't have time for all that. And I remember looking over at him, and he's, he's, he's literally beat to pieces. And I remember thinking, good grief, how much can a person take? How much can a person take? And he's sitting over there half cocked up against the door, and he had eyes that could laugh even if he wasn't smiling. And his eyes kind of looked like he was going to laugh. And he said... I know where I'm going. I didn't know it was going to be this hard to get there. And he just broke out laughing. And he laughed, and we laughed, and we drove the rest of the way home. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Verse 23, a wicked man receives a bribe from the bosom to pervert the ways of justice. A wicked man receives a bride from the bosom to pervert the ways 
of justice. This is the person that pulls out the bribe and, and hands it to somebody. Now, in the previous verses, in several places, it is talked about the person that gives bribes. This talks about the person that takes a bribe, that receives a bribe. The Bible says their intention is to pervert the ways of justice. Now, what this means is they are bought off to do wrong. They are bought off to make a different verdict. They are not of character. They are not of integrity. And they are swayed by money. They're swayed by financial gain. Well, here God identifies them as a wicked man. The person that takes the bribe in order to pervert justice, they are a wicked man. Now, the call of the verse is this. Be aware of that person. Mark that person and stay away from that person. A person that receives a bribe to pervert the ways of justice, a person that has no integrity and can be swayed by financial gain, that is a person to stay away from according to God's wisdom. A wicked man receives a bribe from the bosom to pervert the ways of justice. Verse 24. Wisdom is in the presence of the one who has understanding but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. Now, this sounds a little bit weird to understand. It's going to make perfect sense. Wisdom is in the presence of the one who has understanding, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. There is a person, and they know wisdom. They have understanding, and they operate accordingly. Their eyes are on the path. Now, you know folks like that. They know the right thing to do. They're going to do the right thing. Their eyes stay on the path. They do not look to the right. They do not look to the left. They are walking in faith. They are walking in obedience. And their goal is to honor God. But the fool, here's what the verse says, their eyes are pulled over here. And then they're pulled over there. They're swayed this way, and then they go back that way. Maybe, maybe it's a flash of wealth. Maybe it's entertainment. Maybe it's comfort. But in the things of the world, their attention is distracted, and their, their eyes cut over here, and they try this, and they go this way for a while. Maybe they have a big event, and you watch folks, and they get back straight, and it seems like, hey, they're back at it. They're on the straight and narrow. Here we go, and it's not long and something else flashes, and they turn this way, and they turn back this way, and they're, they're off the path again. Wisdom is in the presence of the one who has understanding, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. They are distracted by the ways of the world. Verse 25. A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. Verse 25 builds on verse 21. Really, uh, it's coming back around and going and attaches there. It builds on verse 21. A foolish son, now that by definition, this is a, a, a child that will not listen. They will not take correction. 
They're going to do what they're going to do. They always know the best thing to do. And, and you know what? God's wisdom says this, and the wisdom of the parents that they got from God, it says this, but they're not going to listen. They're going to do this thing. And they walk in sin. The Bible says this. That person is a grief to the father and bitterness to the mother. Repulsiveness, bitterness, a sour taste to the mother. Now, let me tell you, tell you what this verse is. This verse is a call to live in a way that blesses your parents. And you read that, and it says what, it says what verse 21 said, but as you read that, as you hear that, you, you ought to desire to live in a way that you are a joy to them. Now, most of all, more than that, it is to live in a way that blesses your heavenly Father, that he is pleased in how you live and the decisions you make. Here's, here's a big deal. Listen very carefully. Sinful people are selfish people. That's, that's a pretty good bumper sticker. No one will ever buy it, but that's a pretty good bumper sticker. Sinful people are selfish people, and they do not care about other people. They do not care who they hurt. They do not care about their parents. They do not care about the God they serve. They are self-centered, and sinful people are selfish people. A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. Verse 26, it is also not good to find the righteous, nor to strike the noble for their uprightness. It is also not good to find the righteous, nor to strike the noble for their uprightness. Verse 26 goes back to some verses we looked at last week, talking about the mistreatment of the righteous. It is to falsely accuse somebody and to punish them based on that. It is to call what is good evil. And so there is a righteous person doing the upright thing, and it is to punish them or to persecute them in their righteousness. That's not good is what the verse says. All right, verse 27 and 28, I'm gonna have to just tell you, I'm sorry, they are closely related, and they go back to our favorite subject of the mouth, of the tongue. Evidently, God knew us this week, and he knew we needed to come back here. Verse 27, he who <clears throat> restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Now listen to that again. He who restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Now, restrains his words it means, first off, not to use many words, to, to throttle it back, to, to pull it back, to be silent. And so a, a person that restrains their words, they restrict their words. They do not speak many words. And, now it doesn't just mean that, and it means a person that is careful in the words that are used. They are restraining what the, the dam may burst, and they want to say all these words. And so they're restraining it. They're not saying a whole lot of words, but they are careful and deliberate 
in the words they do use. They're not just spraying out words. You know anybody like that? Don't look around. They are smart. The person is smart who is careful with their words. That's what it says. And then it goes on and says, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Now what this is, and it's tied tied very closely together, but this is a person that remains calm. This is a person that keeps their cool. They're not, they do not respond. They're not stirred up in emotion. Now, I want to say whatever the emotion, it could be happiness. They could go make a bunch of bad decisions because they heard something. It could be anger. It could be jealousy. These people do not respond stirred up in their emotions, whatever the emotion. No, here's what they do. They watch, they listen, they evaluate, and they move based on wisdom, not with emotion. Wouldn't you like to be like that? They move with wisdom. They're calculated in what they do, not motivated by emotion. Our world is exactly the opposite of that. We say, you got to go and you think later. You got to react. You got to respond. Somebody said something to you. They cut you off in traffic. We'll deal with it later. God says the person that is cool and operates according to his wisdom and not emotion is the smart person. All right, verse 28 tied very closely to it. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his Hebrew yapper, he is considered prudent. When he closes his lips, he is considered prudent. Here's what the Bible says. Even if a fool, a person that has flat no sense, you know anybody that has no, they have no sense, Their life, if you follow it, it is a circus of bad thoughts and bad logic and bad decisions. It is a train wreck of a life. But even if that fool will be silent, they are considered wise and prudent. Now, I don't think God is calling us to be totally silent. I don't think he's calling us to take a vow of silence. There's folks that do that. In fact, I I was thinking about this this afternoon. He created us with minds and and voices. And he talks to us in words. And I I think he loves conversation. I don't think he's saying never talk. You know what? You'd be be well just to leave here and never talk. You can make it 20, 30 years. Just don't talk. I don't think that's what he's doing. But he is calling us to be careful to honor him with our words. Listen very carefully. The New Testament says this. He is calling us to let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, building up, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Ephesians 4.29. He is calling us to be very careful that the words that we speak would build up him, would lift up his name, and build up other people. We're to be very, very careful with our words. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.
Dear Father, we come and I rejoice in your wisdom. I rejoice in your truth. I come and Lord, I want to apply this. I, I pray that we would be wise and apply this. I pray that our young people have heard. They wouldn't have to crash and burn to figure it out. They would take your, your word for it. Pray for us as older people that we would hear it and respond as well. Pray that you'd be glorified in the response and the effort. Lord, I pray that we would be happy. And I, I, I read this set of verses and I, I pray as our world is so unhappy. I pray for people that are happy in Jesus and that we respond in happiness and we live in happiness and we speak not in bitter divisiveness, not in slander, but we, we speak in the happiness of a risen Savior, Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful tonight that we can because you are peace and you are joy and you are wise and you are kind and you're gracious to us. And I pray, Lord, that we leave here tonight instructed, yes, but I pray that we leave here tonight encouraged as well. Happy in the Lord. We love you, we thank you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen.